0: Great stuff. It's a great season to be in, isn't it, eh? Christmas season. I love it. Can't wait to get a tree up and have a bit of fun around home again. I love Christmas. And hey, would you open your Bible with me in uh, Luke chapter 10? We've been looking at fig leaves. Oh, fig leaves. Man, oh, man. Well, how people cover up and stop being authentic and real and being a great pretense. And there's a heap of people. Uh, you could probably call them this, the great pretender. And God, God doesn't want the church to be full of great pretenders. You know, at C- Christmas we celebrate that God sent His Son into the earth to represent Him. And so now when Jesus left, He said, as the Father sent me, now I send you. And He doesn't send a heap of pretenders. He sends a heap of real people to represent what God is really like. To be authentic. Uh, and so last week we were looking, let's pick it up in Luke chapter 10. We were looking about uh, Jesus had described what it means to love and to be a mature believer. means there's a spiritual dimension, emotional dimension, physical dimension. Every part of our life is engaged in passionately loving God. And it always overflows to those around us. So we can see how authentic, how mature we are in the way we deal with the people around us. Well, unfortunately, many aren't doing too good there. And Christmas time is a great time for people not to treat one another too well. They get busy all year, bury all their problems, get together at Christmas, and they're all on holiday. Then they start to get upset with one another. It shouldn't be like that, should it, really? And it doesn't need to be either. Notice here there's a man who's been beaten up in life and been wounded. And it says of the Good Samaritan, verse 34, He went to him, bandaged up his wounds, that's the word trauma, He went to him, he initiated action to go to the man who had been traumatically impacted by what had happened to him, pouring in oil and wine, set him on his horse, took him to an inn and took care of him. So this man entered the world of someone who was traumatized, found out what was wrong in his life and then bought the life anointing of the Holy Spirit to impart, to heal and to bring restoration to him. All of us are believers are called into this ministry. Jesus said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. That's to bring people into an encounter with the living God, become saved. But God's got much more for us than that. He's anointed me to heal the brokenhearted. It means God wants to heal brokenness in our life so we can enter into meaningful relationships because without relationships, you don't have a life. It's true, isn't it? Without a relationship, you don't have a life. If people who've got no relationships, you know, he kind of he hasn't got a life, has he? Really, got no friends, got no. He's just buried in something. And many times we substitute. I know people that substitute model trains for relationships. Watching it go around, wonderful hobby, I suppose, but not my thing. But you know, usually it's a substitute for having genuine relationships. Some have their, have a, have a pet instead of a relationship. Have a relationship with a pet. Well, it's a strange thing, really. Nice to have pets. They're wonderful, part of God's creation. But we're made to relate to people, we're made to relate to God. So we have got to learn to have a relationship with God. So the anointing on Jesus uh, is to heal those who are brokenhearted. And uh, many times we saw people cover over what they're really like. So in this story here, we saw genuine love, the love of God, what God is wanting to do with us is to, to put into us a, a love and to grow us so mature that we can actually enter into the world of others and help them. Now, the trouble is, how can you enter the world of other people very successfully if you won't even enter your own world? How can you be authentic to other people if you're covering up who you really are and what's really going on? The, the biggest uh, biggest complaint against church, although it's often unfounded, but there's some truth in it, is, well, people, they're hypocrites. They play. They're nice on Sunday, but the rest of the way, you want to see what they're like, Pastor. So I don't know whether i do. I'd rather be in denial and look at all these happy faces, and say, aren't they all wonderful? The reality is a little bit different though, isn't it? The reality is that many people, their walk daily is actually inconsistent with what we believe. And so God wants us to grow and mature, to grow up. And growing up isn't easy. It's got some challenges with it. And I want to share with you today some keys to help you grow. In Genesis 3-7, we saw that Adam and Eve sewed fig leaves together, made themselves coverings. Verse 10, he said, I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. So Adam and Eve, as a consequence of the fall, hid themselves from painful reality. To actually come into the presence of God meant to face what was really happening in their life. And Adam said, I was afraid. That means they had some deep feelings, bad feelings, bad vibes. And he said, because I was naked and so I ran away and hid. And we saw how Adam and Eve as a consequence of the four concealed their identity, covered themselves up and then hid. And we see here a pattern, their behavior of hiding was, it came about as a result of them feeling fear and believing God was going to punish them. So when we look at people's lives, you see the outward part, which is like the tip of an iceberg on the surface, but below that outward part is where people really live So if I'm going to grow as a believer and grow in my relationship with God and ability to represent Him, I've got to change on the inside. I've got to explore my inner world and discover what is in there. Now, you don't have to become introspective, looking into yourself all the time, but the Holy Spirit is given and He dwells inside you and His job is to bring to your awareness where you need to grow up. Bible Jesus said in John 14, I won't leave you orphans. I won't leave you without a father. So if you've been without a father in your life or been uh, under poor, uh, perhaps your parents weren't able to function, your father wasn't able to function as God intended to, nevertheless, the spirit that God puts into you, the Holy Spirit of God is a fathering spirit. It is to speak into your heart, direction, correction, and to bring about maturity. So you discover who you are and how to relate and live your life and how to fulfill a purpose. That's the role of a father, one of the major roles of a father. So Jesus said, I will pour my spirit into you and the Holy Spirit I put inside you will bear witness you belong. You're the, that God is your father but also that spirit, the Holy Spirit in you is to bring you to face realities, to face truth. And if we keep covered up and hiding our life and don't want to go there, or pretend we've moved on when we haven't moved on, or minimize what's happening in our life, we miss out on the opportunity to grow and fulfill what God called us to do. It's very difficult to enter into anyone else's life very deeply if you're very shallow yourself. Can God use you? Of course He can. You can encourage someone. You can show an act of kindness to someone You could uh, visit them, you could ring them, you can connect with them, give to them, you do all sorts of things, but there's a dimension of reaching into lives to really authentically help people, which won't be yours unless you're willing to grow. So God wants us on a journey. Now, how does God get us to grow? When many times we don't want to face the areas which are damaged, nor address them. We want to just push them under and get going. Well, God's got a great strategy, and that strategy is called pain pain. You notice if you, if you hit your thumb and you're in pain, the one thing you notice is your thumb. You notice nothing else, just your whole world is filled with thumb. Isn't that right? So whatever you're in pain about will always get your attention. So God has got a strategy. If you don't want to face changes in your life, and he's committed to changes in your life, how's he going to get your attention? Well, a whole heap of ways, but one of them is pain. Now, does that mean God causes pain? No, 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 no. No, no, no. We, we do stupid things that cause ourselves pain. But God allows us to go through a journey where we have to stop and have a look at what's happening. And if you can develop a lifestyle where you develop your inner world and begin to mature and grow in your inner world, your outer world will change Dramatically. Most people I talk to are wanting God. They're praying, God, change this. God, change my husband. God, change my work. Now, what they're doing is they're trying to get exterior changes and not looking, how should I be changing on the inside so I can become the kind of person that's needed? Change on the inside, your exteriors will change quite quickly. And uh, so, you know, for a young man, the key question is not, well, where's a good-looking girl? Listen, there's heaps of them around. What the big question you can answer is, What kind of man will I be? Will I be the kind of man that a good girl, a Christian girl, a believer would really want to follow? Or will I be some unreliable person? I need to work on myself. You work on yourself, you'll be surprised how quickly God will bring someone into your life. Okay, in Deuteronomy 8, verses 2 and 3, it says, uh, God reminds them, or Moses reminding them, he's saying, Remember the way the Lord your God led you all the way through the wilderness and allowed you. He humbled you, he allowed you to suffer hunger and go through all kinds of different things. And as a consequence of that, the purpose of that was that he might know you. So I read it there. So he, I'll read it. So he humbled you and allowed you to hunger and fed you with manna, which you didn't know, nor fathers know, that he might make you to know man shall not live by bread alone, by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. So God led them. Now, you understand the heart of God. God has got a people that have been in bondage. That's the picture of us when we're unsaved before we come to Christ. Then God has got promises, promises about marriage, about family, about finances, about a future, about a destiny. But how does God get them from one to the other? He takes them through a period or an experience called a wilderness experience. So it was God's idea that the wilderness would last them about 10 days. They made it last 40 years. How did they make it last 40 years? Well, they just refused to face what they needed to face and grow and change. God was trying to get rid of the victim mentality, this poor me, I can't do anything, and someone come through for me, and to raise up a generation who had faith and courage who would go and make things happen. And so he allowed them to go through some experiences which were painful. So they went out in the desert. After a little while, there's no water. Then the water they did find was a bit bitter. So what they do? They had an opportunity to grow. Did they grow? No, they didn't. They blew it. Just complained. Then he took them another place. They got no food. What did they do? Did they have an opportunity there to grow? Yes, they did. Did they grow? No, they didn't. They just complained. And this went on so long, in the end, they demonstrated they were unable to enter into all that God had for them. Now, begin to think of that in your personal life, of God having many things He wants you to have and to enter an experience, but He's allowing you to walk through a few experiences to help you come to grips with your inner world and change. And if you continue to resist changing and, and doubt that God is good and God can bring you through, and what God says, what happens is you delay your life actually ever progressing and accomplishing all God wants. That's why many Christians, after years, have accomplished little or nothing. They're still in the same place they were years ago. As a church, it's the same. Corporately, God wants us to move through difficulties, pressures, stresses, uh, at times, opposition, in order that we grow as a corporate body because he has many things in the city, our nation, and beyond. So whatever level we look at it, God still always does not change how he operates. He allows us to go through some difficulties in order that faith might grow, believing God. And in the midst of it, what happens is, it says he humbled them that he might know what was in them. Now, does that mean God doesn't know what's in you? Not at all. He knows exactly what's in you. If you've got a deep-seated fear, he knows it's in there. If you've got a deep-seated grief or bitterness or you're twisted up inside, God knows it's there. The problem is, you don't. You just... We just blunder through life, causing problems all around us, blindly unaware of what's going on, and just praising God. Isn't that right? You've seen heaps of people like that, see? And so God knows, but he has to take us through experiences where what's in us surfaces. It's like the refiner refiling gold. They heat it until it melts, and it's only when it melts you see the what was in it. So God knows just how to get you up till you melt, and usually that means you lose your call. Cool. You feel, I'm losing control! Good. We're about, maybe there's going to be a control transfer here. Maybe there'll be a trust take place. Because what you fear will control your life. So the thing, when you feel you're about to lose control, it's just the point where you've got the chance to grow in your faith, you're believing, you're trusting God. Okay? Now, in order to do that, then you've got to look in the inner world. So God uses a bit of pain sometimes, and real, real change uh, requires we be a bit honest. Now, what I've observed in my life and other people over years is our preference, our preferred choice is to control and manipulate our exterior life so we won't have to face the inner stuff. Is that true? Tell someone next. I think he's talking to you about that one. See, we, see how easy it is to put it outside us? It's not me, I'm okay, mate. Okay. So, we'd prefer to try and get control over what's around us. God wants to transform what's in us and change the ownership of what's in us. So, how do we do it? How do we do it? What, is, what are some keys or what are some things I can build into my life that will help the process of change so I get deeper with God and get to know myself? and begin to start to grow in my awareness of God in my life. There's many things. I want to talk primarily today about beginning to connect with the things which are inside you, which you may not be aware of. And I guarantee you, as you just take a little bit of time over the next couple of weeks, you'll find all of these things surfacing, especially around the Christmas time. Okay then, the, fir- the first one is develop an awareness of what you're feeling and doing. Develop an awareness. Awareness means you're conscious of what you're feeling and what you're doing develop an awareness or consciousness of what you're feeling, what you're doing. Now, it's easier said than done, because most people don't want to feel bad stuff inside. In uh, John 13 and verse 3 through to 5, it says this. It says, Jesus, knowing who he was, where he'd come from, where he went to. Jesus, let's pick it up here. Jesus, knowing the Father had given all things to his hand, knowing he came from God, he was going to God, rose up, laid aside his garments, took a towel, and then he began to pour water onto the basin and wash the disciples' feet, wipe them with a, with a towel that he was girded with. Now you notice here that Jesus, knowing, he knew some stuff. What did he know? He knew, about, he knew his identity. He knew where he came from, knew where he's going. He actually was fully aware of who he was and fully aware that he's the creator, the king of glory. He's able to bend down and, and wash disciples' feet. That's a pretty amazing thing. He had no need to keep up a show, a pretense, or say, listen, I'm in charge here. Listen, you guys need to do something. He said, no, he did it. You see, so he was very secure because he was fully aware of who he was. Jesus was very secure in his identity. Second thing is, Jesus was deeply aware of what he felt and was unashamed to express it. He was very aware of his emotions. So the Bible says in John 11, I think verse 33, Jesus wept. There's other places he got annoyed, angry. Other places he was furious. Other places he was, uh, he was astonished. Other places, uh, the Bible tells us, he prayed with strong crying and tears. So Jesus was a passionate man, connected to his feelings. When you're moving and flowing with the Holy Spirit, one of the most common ways that we experience the Holy Spirit is we feel an impression inside. But there's many other things we feel inside too, and that's in our emotional area. So Jesus was connected very strongly to his emotions. And so because he was aware of his own feelings, he could be aware of the feelings of others. I found that when people are disconnected in their own life, they're disconnected outside as well. In Mark 1 verse 41, the, the leper came, and the leper was desperate. He was, he was emotional, he was in terrible need, and the Bible says Jesus was moved with compassion he felt the pain in another's life and it moved him to enter their life and help them. But we can walk by people, we can be sitting beside people, we can relate and talk and be totally unaware of the pain they are carrying in their life. We carry on like everything's just perfect. We live life at a surface level. But if you want to make impact in people's lives, you have to be able to go beyond the surface to what's really happening in their life. And one of the ways you do that is you develop this journey in your own life you get past the surface and you begin to discover what's really going on inside you how do I feel how do I think how do I behave what do I really believe say we all believe in Jesus glory to God okay but when you're faced with the pressure what feelings surface what do you really think what is going on and how do you really behave so everyone in a church meeting feels good Musicians create a great atmosphere, we all feel good, lift our hands, praise the Lord, oh, that was great. And then tomorrow, down the road, now we face a pressure and we feel other things, and those feelings are telling us or indicating to us what is really going on in our heart, the conflict, struggles, the belief system that's inside us. If we're not willing to connect with it, we can't change. As you believe in your heart, that's how you live your life. So we can come to church on Sunday and in all sincerity lift our hands, praise the Lord, tell Him we love Him, but on Monday live a very unloving life, unaware of what what is really going on in our inner world. And part of the growth to maturity is becoming much more aware of what goes on inside you, why you do what you do. So the first level of of changing, you've got to become aware of things. And there's a number of uh, scientists who worked out there's a number of emotions we have, and not all of them are pleasant. Anger sadness, fear. These are common emotions people have. These are feelings people have. It's okay to be angry. It's okay to be afraid. It's okay to be sad. All of those. But when you're a Christian, somehow you think, I shouldn't have that. But Jesus had them all. He didn't have the fear one, but he, had the, he was angry at times, and he was sad at times. He was astonished at times. He was joyful at times. He was amazed at times. And he was totally connected to his feelings. How connected are you? How connected are you? So, we need to recognize them. We have feelings and we need to identify what they are. If I can aware what I feel, it's like an indicator on a dashboard. It tells me the conflicts, turmoils, or whatever's going on inside my heart. So you have a look, for example, you're driving down the road, someone gets in front of you, you start to get irritated. Let's define irritated means angry. Okay? So we've got little, little angry, a little more angry, angry, very angry. Most guys can't tell you anything. They just bang the door and they you were angry. No, I wasn't. Because of disconnection. We need to actually become aware. What is it really going on? Because the first way to get victory over your inner life is to acknowledge what's there and name it. God brought all the creatures to Adam and he named them. Naming them is a part of having dominion over things. If you don't name and identify, if you don't identify and name things, it's unlikely you'll have dominion over it. You'll just say, I just feel down. Come on, well, let's talk about that. What do you mean by that? How long has it been like, you begin to inquire, and then you begin to feel, actually, I'm angry, I'm depressed, and it's because I didn't get my way, and I believe I should have got my way, I believe they should have come through and done what I wanted them to do, and they didn't, and they disappointed me, but because I want them to like me, I never said anything, and now I feel really down and bad about me as well. And that's what goes on in the inner world of some people. And you ask them, how are you doing? Oh, fine. Okay then, so, so we need to explore, and, and look, so one of the things about feelings is that they're, they're given to us by God as part of being a human being, part of being in the image of God, so with feelings, just need to name them and identify them, be aware of them, and then name them. Now, uh, one way you can become aware of it is you watch your body. When your body. When your stomach feels knotted up, there's something going on. There's anxiety or fear. You find you're grinding your teeth, there's something wrong. It's, it's sending a signal to you, you know. It looks like when you feel hungry. You're sending a signal, I'm empty, I need food. So your feelings or tensions in your body, some people are clenching their jaw. or clen- You watch people and watch yourself most of all. Begin to discover what you're doing and, and it'll tell you what's going on in your inner world. The other time you can uh, start to discover what's happening is as you pray. You're praying about uh, your journey. You're praying about situations in your life. And as you're praying in tongues and you begin to picture those things, you begin to feel and become aware of things. Try to name what you feel. Because how many people have had an experience like this? You really felt a reserve or something, no peace about something, but you didn't say anything, and later on it turned out it was real bad. How many have had that experience? We all had that. Well, why didn't we listen to the inner thing? See, we tend to live life at the surface and in the head rather than actually in the heart and spirit. If you're going to be a spirit person, you have to learn to examine what you feel, what's going on in your inner life. And it's not that you focus on it, it's just you label it and name it so you then know what to do with it. Otherwise, you do what a lot of people do, ah, I'm going to push it down, stuff it down. Well, after you had years of stuffing down, your body breaks down. Bodies break down because unforgiveness grew into resentment and bitterness, and then the body became poisoned. And after a while, physically, they got sick. So somebody got arthritis right through their body, and the core prime reason is they've accumulated bitterness and resentment. They never dealt with anything. Well, I just moved on, or I just I got over it. No, you didn't get over it. It's still, it's manifesting in your body. I've prayed for so many people. And the moment, the moment they came to a place of recognizing their anger and resentment and unforgiveness and forgave, immediately the spirit tormenting them was able to be cast out and they were instantly healed. So your body signals what's going on in your inner life, as does your feelings. So you've got to learn to connect with them. What am I feeling? What am I sensing? And sometimes you just feel, I feel a bit off. What does it mean off? I just feel a bit down. How long have I been feeling like that? So the first thing is become aware of what you feel and how you're behaving. So for example, you know, are you, are you, you see someone and then you look away. Why did they look away? What did I feel? Oh, I felt like upset. What do you mean upset? Actually angry. Ah, oh, okay. you're angry. Well, How long have you been angry with that person? Can you understand? So your behaviors and your emotions will trigger what you really believe and what's really going on in your heart. And if we don't observe our behaviors and, and notice what we're feeling, identify it and search for what's going on, we'll never grow. we never discover what we believe and where our belief system is total at variance with what God's word says could be ours. A person, for example, uh, who, who's experienced a lot of pain of rejection, They've got a lot of emotions inside, grief and stuff they never resolved. And they begin to believe after a while, well, no one ever wants me. They walk into a church, walk in any group, uh, someone looks the other way, and immediately they feel rejected. It triggers off their belief yeah, I know it, I knew it, I knew it, there's no love in this place. And now they're starting to get wound up and angry and walking down the street fuming about the church. But it was never about the church. It was actually a lot of unresolved stuff. And when the feeling come up, they just got into an old bad habit and never dealt it, dealt with it. And you've got the, the countries full of immature Christians doing all this kind of stuff. Someone thinks differently, does a bit differently. Next thing you know, they're all wound up and got an attitude and this feel, all kinds of stuff going on. Gossip goes around. You've got you to be bigger than that. You've got to grow bigger. Don't stay little. If we are going to be a bigger church, you've got to grow a bigger person. We've all got to grow bigger. So we've got to look at our world and grow. So first thing is uh, become aware of what you're feeling and what you're doing. Second is ask questions. You ask yourself some questions. What's going on? What's going on in here? Why am I doing what I'm doing? What am I feeling? Uh, how long have I been feeling that? Why am I feeling that? What am I doing? What's going on inside? Say so if I'm avoiding someone, well, why am I avoiding them? What, what is that all about? You begin to search your heart and what you're looking for is the truth. And fortunately, Jesus said, I will send you a Holy Spirit, and he's the spirit of truth, meaning nothing's uncovered, nothing's covered over in front of him. So the Holy Spirit will help you in your journey of growth. How does he help you? One way he helps you is he helps you face things you don't want to face. If you won't face it by listening to him and developing a devotional life where you hear the voice of God, then what'll happen is you'll find it ha- he'll he'll get your attention through someone else. You got the idea? So like Jesus did this with the disciples. He joined in Luke twenty four. He joins the disciples on the road to Emmaus. He said, "Hey guys, what's up? How come? What are you talking about? Hey, you're looking sad. What's going on inside there?" He began to explore their inner world. And they just open their heart, talk about their inner world. Then he nailed them over their beliefs. Because why they were moving from the call of God, why they were feeling disappointed, why they were doing all these things was because what they believed. See? Why did Adam hide? Because he believed a lie. What if he believed, instead of believing that God was going to punish him, what if he believed God was a good God and God was compassionate and God would show mercy and he acted on that belief and ran straight to him saying, God, come to me. I've really blown it. Help me now. I really have messed up here. What if he'd done that? You see, what he believed was reflected in how he outworked his life. You've got to realize we're all the same. All of us are the same. So if we want to journey through growth, we've got to be willing to develop and deepen our inner life Firstly, becoming aware of ourselves. Secondly, becoming aware and conscious of God. We'll share about that another time, how to do that. So ask question, what is happening inside me? What am I feeling? How long have I been feeling that? Where's that come from? What does that mean I probably believe? Okay. Third thing is welcome feedback. You've got to welcome into your world some feedback because the reality is most of us don't want to face the things we're in pain over. And so... You're not listening to the Holy Ghost. You don't even go there. Don't go there, God. I don't want. And He'll talk about your attitude to a father, or attitude to some other person, or your attitude to your finances. Hey, don't go there. I just want you to bless over here. We want the exterior, and God wants you to look at the interior. And so, if He can't get your attention that way, He's got a heap of ways to get in. One way is your whole financial world collapses, and inevitably, if it collapses, God has been talking to you for for months before that happened. And he's, no, no, listen. He probably sent people to you to talk to you. No, listen. So welcome feedback into your world. If you want to grow in your inner life, one, practice becoming aware of what's happening, of what you're feeling, what your body's saying, what you're experiencing inside. Two, ask questions so you explore what's going on. Begin to look at what's happening in your inner life. What do I believe? What, what does this mean? Why, why am I like that? And then welcome others to come into your world. So in Proverbs 15, verse 32, it says, The person who refuses instruction or feedback despises his own soul. He who hears reproof gains understanding. So the person who won't allow anyone to come into his life, won't allow anyone to speak into his life, that person's not only very alone, but they actually despise their own soul. They've got real issues of rejection. Uh, Proverbs nineteen twenty, he that hears counsel and receives correction, that you may be wise in your latter end. So hear counsel. So listen to advice, allow people to speak into your world. So here's the question. Three questions. Number one, how much do you tune into what you feel and what's happening here in your inner world? How aware of you what's going on in your inner life? Two, do you probe to find out why you're doing what you're doing? And three, is there anyone you've got that can talk into your life and give you some feedback? The feedback they'll talk to you about is your behavior and attitude. And so I've observed over the years of, of being a, a Christian that many people get offended the moment you give them any feedback that isn't telling them they're a wonderful person. You're wonderful, you're beautiful, you're magnificent. You're beautiful beyond description, too marvelous. Words. People like that one. But actually say, listen, I didn't like that. attitude was bad. It's really quite negative. Who do you think you are? you like this, get all offended all of a sudden. Well, that person's a fool. Because the Bible says a person who can't be corrected or won't receive or welcome correction in their life, that person despises their own soul. They're destroying themselves. They're missing out on the opportunity. So when did someone last speak into your life? So feedback would need to be specific. Hey, there's this behavior, this action, this attitude, this is what I notice, and it needs to be in a way that you can actually make a decision to change. So you've got to respond to it by not being defensive. When God confronted King Saul, he said, I've sinned, but look, I want it to look good in front of the people. So can you come on out and just make it all look good? See, he's still trying to cover up. When David was confronted, you've sinned, he said, I've sinned against the Lord. Immediately repentant. You're not defensive like Saul was. Saul was very, very, very defensive. Raised a wall, you couldn't talk into his life, you couldn't say anything. So when was the last time someone gave you a little bit of negative feedback or talked to you about something needed to change? How did you react? Did you walk out of that ministry, walk out of that church, walk away from that person, walk out of that thing because you were offended? Or did you, be like a wise man, welcome correction? Now, here's the thing. If the Holy Spirit is a teacher and brings us into truth, and He speaks to us internally, He also speaks externally. Now, if I will adopt the position and an attitude, I welcome feedback and welcome the input now, the feedback you want is mostly from the people who are near to you. It's the one you rely on because they know you love you, got a vested interest in you. Others have got all kinds of attitudes. But in all feedback, there's something you can often get a help from. It's just a matter of actually getting attitude right. I had some strange person uh, or a stranger, a person I didn't know, uh, sent me a, a, an unpleasant email and I looked at it. And initially, my first thought was straight, I wonder why I'm reacting. Stop, never think about it. Think, actually, what's going on in this person's life? Oh, I can see what's going on. I can actually do something to help them. So I'll make a response that will help them. You understand, If you otherwise you just live life at the surface. It's very ineffective. And then finally, you need to commit to the process of change. You must commit to the process of change. If you want to grow and change, you have to commit to, to growing. How many people at the beginning have said, Oh, God, I want to grow, I want to change, I want to really grow? That's it. A few people did. I think most of us did. When you come into next year, at the beginning of the year, oh, I want to change. Okay, so Jesus always requires us to get some ownership of our thing. So in in the man at Bethesda, Jesus said to him, "Do you want to be made whole? Do you want to change, or are you happy to keep doing the same stuff you're doing this year?" I think no way. I got to change. I got to grow. Got to get bigger. Come on, think about that. Do you want to change? Unless you say yes to that, you're going to stay the same. Maybe have a few crises on the way. (laughs) Okay, do you want to change? Number one, you must want to change. Number two, you invest in relationships that encourage growth. Invest in relationships that will help you to grow. In other words, none of us grow too well on our own. You get a bit bizarre on your own. You get a bit weird. You need other people around you to talk to you. And so no matter how spiritual you are, you always need someone near you to talk to you and tell you some truth. Sometimes it'll be your wife. Often it is. Second Holy Spirit, you know. They can see things you don't see. And if you welcome that input and fever, you could change a lot. I know I have over the years. changed a lot to wake up my ideas on a whole number of things. See, So you have to have relationships. Notice with Lazarus, he got a miracle and he was born into new life, but it took others to unwrap him. And so here's the thing, the key, one of the keys to you growing and changing is you must have relationships which stimulate growth. So I don't like being in a group which is a social club, I can just go and visit a group and have a bit of a social time, that's wonderful, but I really need to be with people that stimulate me to grow. Have you connected in that kind of way? And if you're in a team, are you welcoming connections that will help you and stimulate you to grow? You've got to welcome it into your world. Well, you welcome it. People can do it, but you've got to welcome it. Otherwise, they get a bit nervous about it because you suddenly turn into a monster the moment someone says something to you. That's not very helpful, you know. Okay, then. And then here's another couple of things. Be courageous and face truth. Be courageous and face the painful truth. In Proverbs 28:13, it says, uh, if you cover your sins, you shall not prosper. But if you confess and forsake them, you find mercy. If you cover them. So if we, can, if we cover our fa- failures, everyone sees them anyway. You cover your weaknesses, hey, people aren't silly, they see them anyway. You cover up stuff, uh, it's seen. You, you, it always has an effect in your life. The Bible says if you cover it up or conceal it or clothe it, dress it up so it looks better than it really is. If you try and have a life that's a pretense, you can't prosper or go forward. Now, believers, we are called to go forward, to grow from one degree of glory to another. That means one degree of believing God, trusting God to another. To do that, we can't cover over where we're failing, making mistakes. We need to actually do what the Bible says to do. But if we confess and uh, get rid of it, if we confess and deal with it, then we experience mercy coming to our life. Now, that word confess is the word yada, the same word Adam knew his wife Eve. He was intimate with her. In other words, if I am aware of where I am missing it, and I consciously own that and address it and put it off my life, I will always encounter mercy from God and from people. Tremendous promise. Kindness, graciousness, willingness to give you another go. But the key thing is, you've got to actually own it. So the word confess there is a word, if I'm aware of where I'm going wrong and do something about it to change, then I'll always experience grace. In the New Testament, the word confesses is homologia, meaning to, if I will say about my life what God is saying about it and then change, He will give me grace. But if I will minimize or defend myself or cover the thing or try and say it's better than it is, if I will do that, I won't find grace, I won't prosper at all. So that's the key to growing. You've got to be able to be willing to face painful truth. And it's often embarrassing. You cry and you weep. I remember more than one time in my journey being on my knees, weeping before God over seeing and perceiving my failure and how it hurt people, things in my life that were broken that need to be repaired, things that I was lacking in. I've wept many, many times in the secret place before the Lord over those things and then work to try and change. And when you do that, you find God pours out grace. God will help you. God will walk with you. Some people say, how can he get away with all those things? And God hasn't smitten him from heaven. Say something because there's a humility and there's a brokenness. And God is working because God's not looking at how bad it is. God's seeing the heart that will respond. And he can work with that heart. God can work with that. David murdered and committed adultery, did all, lied, did all kinds of things. But God sees a man after my heart. I can work with someone who will respond like that. You understand that? You don't have to be perfect with God. You have a perfect heart. means I'm open to respond and tender when the Holy Ghost speaks to me. When you do that, that's when your life can really begin to shift. But if we're resistant and walled and hard, and God speaks to you or speaks to the church, and you're just just walled off, it's not changing your life in any kind of way, then you're not growing at all. You're not going forward. The last thing is we need to be able to receive Grace need to be able to receive grace. That's the kindness and help of others, the kindness and help of God. You need to be able to receive it. If you're going to grow, you need to receive grace. Don't beat yourself up if you've made mistakes or if things are not right. Just face it. Deal with your part of it and receive grace from God. Come to Him and say, Lord, help me now. Give me the strength I need. Give me the wisdom I need. Show me how to handle the situation. Help me again. Oh, God, I've blown it again. But, Lord, I have blown it again. I realize this is what I did. Lord, help me again. Now, God will pour his spirit out on a heart like that. He will enable you to get up. Steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. In other words, God knows all about the falling's over, but the Lord upholds him and gets him back up again. Why? Because of a good heart towards God. And when your heart is good towards God, not superficial, not shallow, not taking His grace for granted, but when you've done something, you realize, oh, Holy Ghost, forgive me. Forgive me for wounding and grieving. I am so distressed about it. Lord, forgive me, I'm reaching out for grace. Help me to change and grow. Help me to learn the lessons and grow. Boy, I tell you something, God will come on that person. He will give grace to the humble. He will lift you up. He will help you go forward. And while others are just locked where they are, step by little step, you're progressing forward, growing, growing, coming up, more aware of yourself, more aware of God's grace and goodness, more able to enter into the lives of other people. When someone blows it, you don't stand aside and look at them and cross to the other side and say, well, not my fault, it's their problem, their mess. You will say, God, I, want, I know I could help that person. I've got something in me that could minister into them. I've been in that place. I know what that place is like. And you showed me grace. I can show some grace to this person. I tell you, when you let God work in your life, there's a graciousness comes. There's a grace to minister to others. And in the church and all around us, there are people every day you meet who are needing God's grace to enter their life through people who know Him, people who have grown, people who have broken through. There are people in the city waiting for you to break through. And if we won't take responsibility to change and grow and break through, we've got nothing to give them. And we just repeat an old, familiar, religious cycle instead of progressing glory to glory to glory. I love it, and I'll finish with this. David wrote in the Word of God, it's something like this. He says, Lord, forsake me not when I'm old and gray-headed. In other words, he's saying, when I get older in life, I do not want to get set in my ways. I want to continue experiencing the goodness of God. And not be full of prejudice. He said, in order that I might show your power to this generation and the one that is coming and raising up to replace them. Listen, what a cry David had. He had a passion to make a difference with his life. But to do that, he had to become a person of the spirit, a person who built an inner world where there's not chaos and brokenness and denials and coverings. There's an authenticity with God out of which there's a flow of reality to others. And we're going to grow there. And I know there are many, and, and, and perhaps you're stuck in some part of your life. Why don't you say, God, I, this, I'm stuck in this thing. I need to do something. I need to do something different to what I've done before. I'll just be the same next year. As we come out of this year, we're coming into enlargement in this year. i felt the Lord speak a word, advance. Advance means don't stay where you are. Make decisions that in each area of your life, you will take a step forward. If I was John Cleese, I could do that better with those big legs he has. But, but you know what I'm talking about. Father, we just thank you that you're a God who moves us on. We don't want to mess around in a wilderness of brokenness, a wilderness beyond the promises of God. We want to step up into the things you have for us. And we know, Lord, it requires we make a decision to change and to grow. Make a decision to position ourselves for those things that must happen in our life for us to receive your blessing. Father, I pray your great grace upon my life, upon Bay City, upon every person here to enter into a season of changing and growing.